Hello and welcome back to Hero with a Thousand Potions. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. It's been a little while, Nate. You promised us that there were no more hiatuses, Tyler. And I was like, boy, do not say that. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> yes. We like we had our previous hiatus before this hiatus, and you were like, We're back, baby. No more hiatuses. Something something along those lines. And I was like, Oh and I don't know if that dialogue made it into an episode per se. But it was definitely spoken between us. We are not yet at an absolutely consistent weekly publication schedule. And you know, I'm okay with that. I support the dream. Yes. When the time is right, content will... We will shit out content. <laughs> yes. It, I, I don't know. I've never... You know, there are people that can force a poop. For me... I'm not, I can't preemptively poop. I can't do a preparatory poop. Like I'm going to the gym. Maybe I'll take a poop so that it doesn't hit me while I'm on the treadmill or like slamming some weights. Right. Uh huh. So for me, it's just when, when the moment hits, stop everything else. I'm on the run. (laughs) Right. Uh, And the podcast is the same way. It's, you can't, you can't just force out an episode. You gotta you gotta wait till all of those uh every morsel of nutrient has been digested and is ready to be pushed back out into the world. A gaming podcast where two game likers in their thirties discuss the storytelling and gameplay of popular niche RPGs in a book club like format. <laughs> uh I'm Tyler and I take regular poops. I'm Nate, and I answer the call. We're off to a great start, Nate. Yeah. Yeah, it's season two. We're covering Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it's parallel content in the original game. Came out back in 1997. Today, we're covering chapter 15, and we're going to try to get a little bit of 16 in there, too. And it's the, we're climbing up the plate after all that carnage. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's, I think it's going to address some of our questions and concerns we had previously. So I, th- there's in some ways it's like, there's not a lot going on in this chapter, but in other ways, I think, uh, I think it rounds out some rough edges for us. It does. Nate, we said that we might be doing a Christmassy episode and we never got around to that, but for a particularly good reason, you had the Ron, I got COVID. Nate Cor- was in town. <laughs> And yeah. we did get a nice uh, lunch, lunch get together, and then I got COVID a few days later, and we didn't get together. But we have some other clever ideas for stuff we might be doing. Yeah, that was like a month ago at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But my trip back to Wisconsin was kind of like magical in a way, and mm. it it ever so slightly slow. It ever so slightly tugged on the the strings of like, would I actually want to live here again? Because here here's the situation was when I left Wisconsin, like there was, I don't know if it, you technically you'd call it like an economic downturn or whatever, but like there are a lot of businesses closing. There are a lot of sections of town that I would consider dilapidated or dead 
and like I have relatives that are realtors that said like the realty market was bad and you know so it was all these like negative things and it seems like the second I moved away they're like hey we completely renovated downtown Eau Claire like on a massive scale and then they're like oh hey we have this entire new town that's Wrapping up right next to Eau Claire and like driving through that area. I'm like, holy shit. Like this is basically becoming a city in and of itself. Altoona is popping off for sure. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of my, uh, it, it was nice to be home and it was great to see you. Mm-hmm. It was really great to see my family. Um, and that idea we had was to do like a live playthrough of this chapter. Cause this chapter is really kind of just all, action and gameplay for the most part we might drop like one or two quotes here but nothing real meaty on that front so there's more content in og in its equivalent content than there is in remake i think i don't know about that in terms of lore building this is maybe lore building i think this is the patenting for sure in remake but sure yeah we'll we'll hash it out why don't you take the lead? Or well, how are you doing? I got checking on you. Do you have do you have any announcements? I do. I do. I shared it with you when we sat down for lunch, but Rose and I are pregnant again. And we're having a boy. Boy. And we're due on the fourth of July. Just like last time. That was the that was July eighteenth. But we were five and a half weeks early and we had a knee cue stay and I really yeah. don't want to do that again. And uh so we're probably it's probably gonna be another June baby, but late June. If it's anything like the first one, which I don't want it to be because I don't want to be in the NIQ again. For sure. But yeah, we're looking forward to that. That's going to be good. We're going to have two babies and then we're going to each tie ourselves up (laughs) and, uh, and have a good rest of our lives. Just two. Yeah. And that sounds like a good time. Um, other things that happened over the last month, um, I, I beat final fantasy 13 on new new year's Eve and then I pl- then I started Final Fantasy three like a plix- pixel remaster and I finished that in like nine days. It's only fifteen hours long. It's probably less than probably less than a week actually. And then I went on to thirteen two, and I finished thirteen two uh, just a few days ago. And that's an interesting plot. That's a complicated thing. And now uh, I'm kind of in between non podcast games right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Is 13 podcast content besides our little uh, fun, funzy episode we have planned? What's your question? Is, is 13 like podcast content for you or are you just playing it for shits and giggles? I'm playing it for shits. Great. I, I would say once you finish the 13 verse, you kind of need to play Final Fantasy 15. It has nothing to do with 13 except that it was originally intended to have quite a bit to do with 13 <laughs> yes the, the fabula nova chrysalis it's whatever I, I could not care less about whatever they had planned for that whole smorgasbord there should be a square enix uh random game title generator that's got oh yeah all those ridiculous words that you can mash together yeah you haven't even you're not a Kingdom Hearts guy, so you don't even know how bad it gets. I played most of the first, and I don't dare go any farther. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a way, like, I respect that. I completely understand. There's, like, good gameplay I could say you're missing out on, but as an adult, I just don't know how to justify 
playing a Kingdom Hearts game. All right. Well, it's a the, content. The document is right here staring at me. So we've dragged our feet long enough. Yes. Nobody wants to hear about Altoona River Prairie <laughs> District. <laughs> you, the, your editing finger will decide how much they. Uh, I, I already. Well, I've circled back to it, so it's got to stay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I have my notes broken out into doing all of the OG stuff first and then. I've got remakes, so they're not side to side, but side to side for me. Can we do OG first? Yes. My one question, and maybe it's in here in the document, but my like text brain won't digest it, and you'll have an easier answer for me is are we going to the in your digestion of OG, are we getting to the Shinra building interior in some respect? Yes. Okay, great. Got it. Okay, so remake ended having already left wall market. Like we shot the the grapple guns up the wall and we zooped up. So we're going to start at uh, arriving at wall market for OG. So we're kind of looking around town. Well, we think we're going to go see Don Corneo. But when we get to his mansion or the grounds just outside of it, we see these three kid NPCs race to the right-hand side of the screen. And they're and when they're speaking to one another, we pick up some the ambient conversation. One says, want to see something awesome? And then they disappear. Next screen, there's a huge concrete wall covered in huge red graffiti that spells some word like A-V-E-R-L and then probably a, an E before it runs off the screen. I actually wondered if this was different in Japanese in the Japanese version, but it's the same. I looked it up on YouTube and there's a fat wire running down the wall between V and E. Um, two of the three kids have disappeared and there's one who's too afraid to climb up this wire. So question for you is the A V E R L. Is that avalanche a misspelling from the romanization of whatever they called it in Japanese? I wonder because you have to realize in Japanese, there is no L. So there could be this, like, the L's there because they know it exists. But in their head, the R is still there, too, in some respect. R's and L's are a little interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, was there just, like, a translation mistake there from a, a person romanizing the Japanese equivalent to the word and they, they left the R in? I like that Because it's so natural. Is there any word that is averl? I can't think of one. Um, Avril Lavigne. No, still doesn't work. Um, so I, I think that was meant to be avalanche graffiti. I'm into it. I like it. It's calling them. Mm -hmm. It's asking them to climb up the rope. Avalanche, I'm here. Also, if there was anybody that's going to be like, like graffiti is an anti-establishment call sign. There's nobody who's like, I love the police. I love society. I love social structures. I also really like making all of the walls look like hot garbage. So um, I, I think this is a, you know, if there's anybody within Midgar that's going to be anti-establishment, they're also going to be avalanche sympathetic, at least in the OG verse. You know, we've got, mm -hmm. we've got the, in remake verse, we have kind of the, that false flag news manipulation aspect going on. But mm -hmm. that, that's kind of nowhere to be found in OG. Barrett wants to climb up this wire and Cloud's like, that's ridiculous. And then Barrett says, oh, you might, you might see a wire gang, but it looks to me like a golden, shiny wire of hope. Mm -hmm. And Cloud's like, Barrett, that was a bad analogy, but I understand how you feel. 
And when I saw that on the screen, I had to laugh because it just sounds like an episode title, but it also doesn't read like something that Barrett would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I suppose he's feeling very desperate and grasping at hope. You know, he says the word hope. And so it's it's, uh, emblematic of accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. Yeah, and I'm I'm pulling this from my memory banks, but I'm going to again reference Tim Rogers. You can go look up his take on the Walmart scenario in his video series on the subject. I remember him saying something about there's like a Chinese fable of like a golden string that you can climb to heaven or something like that. Mm. And, and kind of maybe it's based on that folktale in a way, almost like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe a better way to translate this to America would have been like some sort of Jack and the Beanstalk analogy, right? This is this is our beanstalk. That sounds stupid as shit, but that would maybe make more sense to us if in fact it was tugging on some sort of folklore uh reference. But a thick, leafy beanstalk of a hope. <laughs> yes. That that <laughs> might work. You'd mentioned the kids kind of show this is this new special cool thing. This wasn't mm-hmm. here before, as yeah. we um talked about. And it kind of like I had to wrap my brain around this a little bit. But if Wall Market is again in remake, they give this explanation that Wall Market is called that because it got walled off due to crime. And I don't know how much I like that explanation because in my head, this wall we're looking at with the wire is the wall to sector seven wall market is built along the wall <laughs> that's just mm-hmm. that's just would make sense to me i think what's happening here is like we're looking at a piece of obviously it's like plate drop debris but it's it, it's like when you drop that plate it's not going to be like a clean it, for a pizza analogy you've always got some cheese debris <laughs> that slips off when you lift that slice out of there, there's still the the hot melty cheese is still going to be connected to the other end. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here is some melty cheese debris draped over the wall. So I don't know that I necessarily made sense of what that wire was as a kid. Like did someone build or like connect this or, you know, do this purposely. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just like a accident of fate. Now, like digesting this as an adult, it, it makes more sense. Whereas a kid, I was like, why, why wasn't this here before? It's just, there's now a wire here all of a sudden. Yeah. I also think it's a damn shame that we don't get the golden shiny wire of hope quote in remake. Yes. That would have been great to hear. Sure. On my stream, I mentioned the grappling hook is like basically a new character at this point. It's so mm. in, integral to the story. <laughs> Every time they're like, uh, well, uh, when there's some sort of like physics question that they're like, uh, we're not really sure about like back when they're Lego characters, you don't really think about it, but now they're like, Oh, we have to have real people doing this. Uh, grappling hook. Yeah. Have them get their grappling hooks out. Yeah. Give them all grappling hooks. And to me, the wire makes more sense than the grappling hooks. Like these grappling hooks are way too OP. Like you just fired at something and it can carry a, I'm going to guess that Barrett is a, a solid 320 pounds. I don't know if the <laughs> Ultimania says otherwise, but like if, let me look this up. Dwayne Johnson weight. Dwayne Johnson is 260 pounds, right? 
So if he's that weight, picture a man with a machine gun on his arm as well. I don't think that Dwayne Johnson's forearm and hand weigh as much as a Gatling gun. So I'm going to guess that Barrett is 320 pounds and that grappling hook is just flinging him everywhere effortlessly. These things are a little OP in my opinion, but I'm, I'm trekking outside the confines of the OG verse. So I'll, I'll let you pull us back in. I'll pull you back in Nate. So we climb the, the wire and it goes up quite a ways. I mean, we're up 200 feet by the time we get to the top of it. And at the top of that big concrete slab are two, are the other two kids, the ones brave, the ones brave enough to go up. And they're like, there's more ambient conversation that you're hearing. And they're like, wow, look at all the carnage. And then in the background of the shot of the pre-rendered environment that's behind the wire we're climbing is like the smoldering carnage of the crashed plate. And there are more giant words in the graffiti as we go up, including no mercy <laughs> in green and uh, flying ball, like B-O-L-L or boil, B-O-I-L, or maybe it's B-O-N something. And that's in blue and it probably doesn't spell bong, but you might want to, <laughs> if you feel like you want to read the word bong into there, it doesn't say that. But if you can, if you're looking for it, you can see it. To its credit, it really doesn't need to say anything because I live outside of, or, or the military base I live on is right next to Norfolk Southern Train Yard. And I see train train cars every day absolutely covered in graffiti. And they the things that people write mean absolutely nothing. Like hackable and mickle dip. And like, what what is this? Like, what I got to look this up. Uh somewhere on my facebook uh i gotta find it what did somebody write on the side of the train sorry i'm you find it i'll let you know you'll let me know there are red chinese characters graffitied on the wall as well and i don't know what they say maybe post-production tyler has an idea so I put it out to the Final Fantasy VII and Translator subreddits to see what their opinion on this might be, and I'm not getting any bites from the FF7 subreddit, but the Translator folks are saying that this is not Japanese or kanji. Although they do kind of look like those sort of figures to me, they're certainly kind of faded and uh, difficult to read, but uh, maybe my presumption is wrong. So if I hear anything more about that after this episode publishes, I'll follow up with another comment. Uh, we get to the top of the screen and, or we get to the next screen and there's a, I remembered what it is. I didn't find the post, but I remember what it is. Oh, what is it? So, uh, I have to give credit. Like, you know, there, there's all the train cars with the different words on it, but somebody managed to scroll out a gorgeous rendition of moose abuse <laughs> on the side of a train car. And it's like, you know what? That. That one I can actually get props to because it's it's saying something. It has it has a worldview. It has a worldview. Uh oh. <laughs> yes. As opposed to hackamole. Don't abuse moose. Mm -hmm. No. Atop the wire, it terminates into this tangle of bigger wires and junk that you can kind of hop around in. But we come to a dead end and like a plane that's pointed straight up into the air from like nested into the, the garbage carnage. And mm -hmm. there is a battery plug in nearby. And we think that if we can put some kind of battery thing into the plug that it'll help us, you know, it's video game logic, whatever. So, right. 
So we go back down the wire into into Walmart to see what we can do about that. And if you talk to pretty much any NPC, they're all talking about how suspicious the weaponsmith's father has been since the wire <laughs> came down. And I think we're supposed to infer that he, well, they're, they're like chunkers, right? These are, these are people in poverty and, and Hey, maybe there's an opportunity to seize some value from this catastrophe that happened. And so I suppose that the weaponsmith shops shop guy's father went up and kind of did some collecting, did some scavenging and he gathered up the batteries. And so when we confront him about it, he'll sell a set of batteries to us for a hundred gil. Did this uh, experience when you're when you were a kid, you're playing the game for the first time. Was this a huge cock block for you? Of I know you already said that basically every NPC points you in this direction, but I specifically remember the moment when I finally figured out what to do. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> of like I I had spent a significant amount of time figuring out what I had to do next. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I feel like that I probably talked to the weaponsmith shop owner's father at least once already. And so I thought, okay, well, there's something else I'm trigger. I need to trigger that I haven't triggered yet. And maybe it's like the weird positioning of cloud to point him towards the, because the guy's like behind a, a chain link service counter mm-hmm. in the shop. And so speaking with like in video, in RPGs and in video games, speaking with, a npc that's like some distance away from you like across a a service counter can get tricky in the three in the advent of the 3d environments that we're playing with in the ps1 era and it could have been just just you know user error right as well i also think like when i was 11 i might have just been right on the cusp of like understanding video game triggers because uh, mm. like it's questionable whether i knew about it in this game but i absolutely i feel like i absolutely knew about it in 1998's mega man legends mega man mega man mega man can you hear me i remember a lot of like you have to do this for this to happen in that game you have to run around here and talk to this person and then this scene needs to happen. So I understood it a year later, but I don't know that I understood it right away on like my, cause this was one of my first PlayStation experiences of actually owning the PlayStation mm-hmm. and not just seeing it out in the wild. So, uh, that learning curve happened somewhere in the process of that year. And before that, I don't know that my brain really like the, the, if then statement happening under the hood mm-hmm. of, uh, well, that's never going to happen unless you first do X, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, also, this guy has just in the shop a tank. <laughs> yeah. I don't see I don't see a door because when you walk into the shop from the outside, there's no exit point. <laughs> so this guy has a full ass tank he's built inside the shop. So, like, is he a doomsday prepper that, like, when shit hits the fan and... Like his his plate drops when Sector Six plate <laughs> inevitably drops, he's getting in that thing and just blowing his way out from underneath the rubble. That is a good idea, at least in his head. That is video gamey AF. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice little touch. I I have to say it is a nice little touch. You can't go back into the the Honeybee Inn either. 
they say that you're <laughs> barred from it for god what was the reason do you remember i forget the actual reason but like big picture it's because you pulled one over on the don right that's that's the obvious answer that might have been but i th- we've talked in previous episodes of the subtext of like uh dressing up like a woman being like at least an og kind of characterized as this deviant lifestyle this joke within the game that that's basically exercised out of the experience and remake I, I think one of the dudes in og says something like oh we've heard all about guys like you you know and you're <laughs> you're not allowed in anymore so maybe they're like oh yeah you're you're a, you're a sex pervert because you dress up like a woman is what they're getting at in that specific text but i think big picture honeybee in is at least in the experience we know of, or, or, or all of Walmart is under the Don's thumb. So getting on his bad terms is nobody else bars you from doing business in Walmart, but they do, I guess. They do. Yeah. <clears throat> so we take the batteries up the wire, we put the first one into the one thing console next to the plane, and the battery turns the propeller out of our path to continue up the carnage zone we're in and personally i think it's kind of amazing that the propeller polygons are the propeller is a polygon rendering it's spinning on top of a of an airplane that is pre, is that is part of the pre-rendered background mm-hmm. i think that's kind of a fun touch there yeah the um the whole setup here i mean it's creative it's good it's part of that thing that i explained at the very beginning of this podcast that inspiration of like making me want to do art and like build these crazy mazes of wreckage and and slum life. But also looking at it as an adult, it's like that there's like a wrecked train track you're, you're running on. Yeah. And it's like, that thing is just fucking floating in air. There's, there's no structural support left there. How is it there? It's hanging like a towel on a, on a hook. Yeah. And it's like, I, I understand that the, the steel like could be bent to, support a human but there's also a dangling train on top of it i'm like i'm pretty sure the weight of the train is gonna pull that fucker down (laughs) but uh yeah so it's a little precarious it's a little far-fetched but you know what it's fun so second battery lifts a traffic barrier arm so we can climb up it we literally walk up the upward turned barrier arm to access the next spot and then we get to the jumping mini game Nate, how many times did it take you? Well, this time, the the replay we're doing for this podcast, first try. Shut up. Yeah, of course, because I, for many, many years, I'd say, you know, it's 2024, I'd probably say 25 years now, I can get it first time every time. Shut up. You know up. why? There's a trick. Yeah, I, well. I figured this out as a kid. Yeah, you wait till it swings all the way to the end, but I thought you like leap at it, not drop down onto it from the farthest. No, 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 no. There's a, there's an even different trick, right? The wire is dangling, right? And it's swinging back and forth. Now what it's dangling from, there's another like hanging down little wire chunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this was not in any guide. This is not in any, anywhere. It's just something where this frustrating me as a kid, I needed to like, I did like a 50, 50 of like, 
if this works, I, I need to find something to tie it to visually. Like I'm looking at the background of the plate wreckage and saying when it crosses this pixel, press the button. When it crosses this pixel, press the button hmm. so that I'm no longer playing a guessing game. So when the wire swings and overlaps the other little like pre-rendered back background dangling wire that doesn't move, hmm. that's the moment you press it and you get it every time. Nice. I've got the footage, so we can. Uh, I'll show you sometime. Yeah. But yeah, I I get it. You do I get, get it, it now. now. It oh. took me four times, but then <laughs> when you put in the next, the third battery, it gives you an ether, or maybe it's a turbo ether, and then you have to jump all over again, and that took me like another twenty twenty five times <laughs> for this playthrough where like my experience playing OG <laughs> is going to end in about 90 minutes of gameplay. <laughs> no, no taking notwithstanding. I was unhappy that I had to do yes. it again. But like I said, it's, uh, I thought, I don't know the way he's like ready to leap to, to, to get it. I feel like I thought he was going to do like a horizontal leap, but he actually just drops down once it swings all the way to the end. And, uh, right. And they, and you do get feedback. Like it'll tell you if you're too early, if you're too late. But I was always so early and I'm like, like and they're saying you're early, you're early. And I'm looking at like my, my leaping plan and like, that's no, no, I, I, I'm not, no, no. But, but the game's telling me I'm early. So I just kept dragging my feet until he drops down. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> was that the night that we were trying to record previously? Were you doing it that night or was it just the Shinra stuff you were trying no, to do that night? No, it wasn't okay. that night because there's a save point in the street outside the Schindler building gotcha right okay i was like oh if it was that night too holy shit you no. had to like yeah. and with all due respect you probably were like fuck this wire <laughs> <laughs> i was uh, what nate's cluing listeners in on is uh when we tried to get together again before my weekend oh, i went to nashville too and i also did that last uh, in the last month um but we were trying to get a recording recording session before i went to nashville for a week and uh based on a, a misunderstanding on my part i play i played farther than i really needed to to get to the coverage because i don't know the shinra building component has a lot in it that i want to cover and oh, yeah. the save point is literally like 60 floors up although you don't go every floor um and we ended up canceling because i didn't because of all that and so what nate's getting on is like i was there, there was some frustration going on, but it wasn't based on, but it, that frustration is separate from my swing and wire frustration. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, we'll get to the Shinra building here in an episode or so, but like, uh, there's a lot of content that like, there is no breakpoint. You either slam all of this or you, you uh, restart because the save points are actually pretty far away in the Shinra building. Mm-hmm. And it's not like uh, it, it's like this thing where you have to earn key cards and open doors and all that. So we'll get there. But yeah, it's it's we'll quite a there. bit of work. Right. Eventually, you get to the next screen, which you in which you arrive at the Shinra building, and we have that moment where Cloud walks up, and then the camera tilts upwards, just kind of a low angle, and we see Lego Cloud gaze upwards at the Shinra building. And the, and the big swell of music plays. It's an iconic 
showdown moment. It feels like the Shinra building, 100 floors, like looks, it feels like it's looking down on Cloud as he, as he approaches it here. And, uh, the classic, like the original, uh, artwork of the game has cloud, like staring up at the building too. And so this is the in game expression of the cover art. It's all coming together right now. The game actually has promotional art of every character's like a view from their back, staring off into a, uh, landscape of some kind. Um, so what's that? For rebirth no the original final fantasy 7 oh there i think in the manual you can see there is a pic of uh so cloud's looking at the shinra building Aerith is looking at the high wind airship oh uh, okay, okay. in junin like parked uh, tifa is looking at nibelheim uh barrett what's barrett looking at is he Kate Sith is uh, gold saucer, you know, anyway, you get the idea. So, um, yeah, there's a, this is one of those picks, those moments that they've encapsulated, uh, Mm. in game form. This was the part where cloud drops the iconic line of this will be my final fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the funny thing is to me, I think I said this on my stream, uh, so I'll try and like encapsulate the longer discussion I had about it. But like, if you're Shinra Incorporated and you have like a corporate headquarters, and remake will address this point by making it a little bit more realistic. But the 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 president of the company just made the decision to drop a plate, right? And that led to some debris being there that people could climb up or whatever. But it turns out the plate you dropped directly connects to your front door. <laughs> and like the fact that we climbed up, there, there must be some missing screens here or something else going on. Cause we climb up, they show us climbing up and like crawling out of a manhole in front of the Shinra building. I anticipate there's some cut, screenage happening because otherwise the reeve no is it reeves or reeve it's reeve we keep reeve yeah reeve like the head of development would be like uh the president's like i'm gonna drop the plate i think reeve would chime in and be like also that's our front door boss if we drop this thing we no longer have a front yard out the (laughs) front of the building like your car is going to be down there because where we climb up is literally the front door of the mm-hmm. building. So uh, I'm guessing there's a little bit of cut content there where one of the, the game developers artists was like, all right, we got the, the road section, the walkway section and whatever. And the director's like, you know what? Let's just, let's just cut it. Just put the building. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. And the game, the original game does have kind of that breakneck pace of like, if it isn't a set piece, is it, if it isn't something like tantalizing and cool, it just doesn't exist in the world. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. remake definitely did away with that value for sure. But yeah, we're right there. There's no upper Midgar plate traversal to get to the Shinra building. We crawl out in the front door. And then we have a conversation. Should we storm the front entrance or be sneaky and take the back way? And then you make a selection, but you're not married to your selection when you make the selection. You can still choose to do one or the other. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You did one and I chose the other purposely. We talked about this ahead of time. So mm-hmm. uh, which which one do you want to cover first? I'm on a tear. I'll, I'll do front door. Okay, go for it. We'll get big energy out, out of the way right away. So when you enter the front door, bombing mission plays the sound, uh, the the music, and we're greeted by a receptionist who wonders if we have an appointment. But Barrett says no, it's an emergency, and anyone who don't want to get their face bashed in better get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so we're real sneaky here, and uh, the civilian workers all flee, and then we uh, get into combat with grenade combatants and once that happens we get to have a look at the lobby in full and there's going to be random battles here too but i'm going to describe the lobby it's huge spacious and futuristic it's very clean too because it's kind of unusual to run into a to have a clean place to stroll around in in this game so far there are non-functioning tube elevators near the front doors there's a corporate art installation straight ahead that suspends the word Shinra, and I assume the equivalent kanji in blue crystal glass. Two symmetrical staircases grant access to the second floor. Behind that are displays of a variety of motor vehicles, including a familiar teal pickup truck. And then just past that, there's a cluster of those civilian workers and Shinra guards all hanging out around an elevator bay. I assume they're going to just pile into one when the elevator comes down and if you walk over to them they flee you and they go to other parts of the lobby (laughs) to the right of the elevator bay is a display that says shinra inc our slogan is shinra's future is the world's future (laughs) mako energy for a brighter world and Nate, this sounds an awful lot like that TV propaganda that one guy was taking in in the mm-hmm. Sector 6 slums. You can go into these elevator bays, but wait, let's see what's up on the second floor first. There's not much here except a shop, and this shop is kind of amazing. There's a shopkeep behind a donut-shaped counter. She recognizes us as Avalanche and says, please take all the money in the register. And Barrett says, I don't want your money. Avalanche ain't no pack of criminals. We just want what your boss stole from us. And this softens her up and she lets us shop anyways. It's a normal item shop and it's and there's nothing really interesting in there. And then when you close the shop, she says, thank you. Come again. Wait, wait, wait forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> also in this room, there are two chests, but the shopkeep won't let me open them. And when you try to, she goes, you opened up all those things without asking. And hey, wait. And this is kind of confusing to me. I wonder if it's a failure of the script or I'm not picking up on something. What things did I open up without asking? I haven't opened up anything since I got in the building. Nate, are you aware of what she's what she's talking about? No, I'm not aware of it. And I haven't really looked up into it because I didn't come this way at all. But it's interesting to me that Barrett still pays money to Shinra Incorporated so that he won't be seen as a thief. And it's like you're you're directly supporting the people oppressing you when doing so. Maybe he has Cloud hand them the money so that he's like guilt free. It's like an Amish thing where <laughs> if somebody else drives the truck, they can go to hell instead. Yeah. So maybe maybe Barrett's like, hey, I didn't I didn't pay Shinra shit. Cloud bought that stuff. Another really neat thing about this shop room is one of the consoles displays an FMV. The screen vanishes. 
and we go into this video. Oh, right. Featuring a variety of fully rendered steampunk motor vehicles, which are produced by Shinra Motor Mobiles. And they look like race cars and hot rods. And it shows us a lot of technical data and white text set on top of the rotating uh, shots of cars. And the text is written in a mix of English and Japanese. And from what I can read, there's hardware, including a Mako engine. When they say Mako engine, it shows you a uh, piston pumping against a glowing green ball of light, presumably Materia or Mako. And another piece of technology we see is Shinra Suspension System SS Wishbone, whatever that means. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the Shinra March is playing during this whole sequence as well. And it's amazing. It's wonderful world building. It's completely unnecessary, and I love it. Dude, you miss out on a lot of content if you go up the stairs, although there is more like um, character building. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to tap you in in a second here. So there is a third floor stairs as well in the lobby and you can go up there too. But there isn't much there. There's just a waiting area and another elevator bay and another display. And I kind of wonder if it's going to play another FMV. It does not. I take the third elevator. And before I get into that, I think I'll just make my component of the lobby done right here. Right. Perfect. So, yeah, I took the staircase. Now, overall, it's of interest to me that you are able to walk into the Shinra building. Like to me, the, I guess because they have like a storefront, they have a receptionist desk, you know, this is kind of like Trump tower where you and I, in theory, can we just walk into like a, a Trump building through the front door? And if we felt like it raised hell or do you need like some sort of badge? Are there guards outside? Are there people watching the joint? I would think, especially in these days. And if you lived in a country where there's active terrorist activity going on, you would think you'd run into some version of a guard out at the front door. Right. Instead of us having like our powwow literally on the front step with no one Mm -hmm. having any idea whatsoever. But that is mildly addressed in the fact that uh, when we slip in here, we uh, this is later, but I will address it here. When we eventually slip into the building and get past things, there is a small little uh, FMV cutscene of a guard watching a room full of uh camera monitors and he's taking a nap <laughs> so so they they tasked one guy with the, the security of the building or like the preemptive security of the building and uh he's he's asleep so that's how this is all possible now apart from the main shinra entrance there's a separate door into the side that has just a a staircase. I'm guessing this is the emergency staircase, but if there was legit an emergency in the building, you'd kind of be screwed because like this is a small, modest staircase along the side of this giant monolith, the the biggest, conceivably the biggest building on the Mm -hmm. planet, right? But uh, yeah, so we, uh, on my game, I decided to take the staircase to the side. I don't really have all of the dialogue because there isn't necessarily anything too pertinent, except what happens is just Tifa's very driven. She's racing up the stairs to get to the 60th floor. That's kind of where it all starts. Everything below the 60th floor is just bullshit. (laughs) 
and where all the real Shinra shenanigans happen is the 60th yeah. floor. And after the 60th floor, you need a special Shinra ID badge to get past. So we can we can use a staircase to bypass every other floor in the building, just like you use the elevator to. But that said, I counted. Uh, this is a winding staircase. So you go up essentially a half flight of stairs. It turns a corner. You go up another half flight. I counted. There are 118 uh, s- stairway uh, sections. So each. Yes. Oof. Each one uh, live on live on stream for the viewers to enjoy. So I, I counted them. And so essentially doing a full uh, 360 turn on the staircase means you've done one floor, which makes sense. But uh, the whole thing is, you know, Cloud, you're just kind of running. Barrett's taking several breaks. He's huffing and he's saying things, damn, why they got to be so many stairs in this place? <laughs> and uh, Tifa's, Tifa's got, she's got that gym bod. Even, even before the remake like solidified it, she is crushing the stairs. But there is a moment in here that... uh you know, we, we've talked about how the PlayStation version has certain dialogue that was updated in the Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch version. Tifa still drops the R word and tells Barrett to stop acting like a... For yeah, real? That. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yes. Uh, she, she calls him the... Uh, she alludes to him being mentally challenged, wow. right? So, um, yeah... Stop acting like wow. a blank. Uh, we're not going to say it on stream here because we we respect all we respect all walks. So that that is the staircase. Um, you forego all the drama and excitement and action. And honestly, I think I prefer just busting in the front door. But you know, we covered both mm-hmm. angles of it here. Um, and and that's that's the point where you get to that sixtieth floor, kind of like you, where I consider like we're inside. Yeah right and um so when we get to remake this is actually this section is kind of covered in um chapter 16 but um it's handled in a much different way there is no choice to be made but i think like the narrative beat even though the setting has changed whether you're climbing the wall and climbing the wreckage of sector 7 or you're trying to get into the Shinra building. I don't think there's a different narrative beat there. I think both of those segments are, we got to get to the Shinra building to rescue Aerith. And so kind of separating them out, I would almost say that like the real chapter 16 kind of starts once you're inside the building, at least in my mind. That's that's when things kind of shift to a different type of game. It's a tonal shift. Because we have infiltrated, we're blending in somehow with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. The the infiltration is kind of over, and now we're just in the sauce. Yeah. Well, judging by how much we talked about this, you might be right that there's just as much of this chapter in OG as there is in Remake, despite the fact that it probably takes five minutes to do all of it. Yeah, that's true. There's definitely a big amount of padding going on here in Remake. So swapping over to Remake here, we're at the beginning of chapter 15, The Day Midgar Stood Still. Now, this chapter title is a riff on the 1951 movie, 
The Day the Earth Stood Still, which was based on a short story called Farewell to the Master, written by Harry Bates, first published in 1940. Yes, I looked all this up. It's about an alien that comes to Earth with an important message for all mankind, and I'm going to give you the quick and dirty plot right now. Hey, hold on. Before you give me that plot, this sounds like the Krellian thing, right? Does it not? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> isn't uh, the... This is all my Xenogears podcast listening, but isn't Krellian originally like some alien that comes to Earth and gives them all this message of like, hey, shape up? Oh, that's an interesting thought. Uh, that's Karelin. Uh, oh, right. Which, because right. that's the... that's the, the the translator for Xenogears didn't know that Krellian is, should have been Karelin. Karelin is an alien from the book Childhood End. Mm-hmm which is written by a classic <laughs> godfather of science fiction that I don't recall the name of. If you haven't read Childhood's End, read Childhood's End, but uh, it, I guess it is similar to that mm -hmm. yeah. without getting into it. Okay. Give me the rundown now. It's one of those things where I, I like to postulate and then see how it turns out after the fact. So, all right. I guess this is the movie I can speak to. In the movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, 1951, an alien named Klaatu has a message for all of Earth's leaders. And the message is you have rudimentary space flight and atomic weapons, and you're you're an aggressive species, so learn to be peaceful, or Earth could be destroyed by another civilization because they fear your aggression now that you're entering the space age. It affects mm. them now. And then to prove that he's from another world because he looks like a human, you know, like all the pre-Star Wars science fiction, everyone, all aliens <laughs> just look like humans, right? Yes. So to prove this, he creates a miracle. All electrical equipment on Earth stops functioning except for things that would cause great harm, such as hospitals or airplanes currently in flight. And this is what we mean by the Earth stood still. Everything stopped. And then a confused dumbass kills Klaatu, and then Klaatu's robot friend Gort revives him, and then they leave Earth, repeating their warning a second time. Now, is, it, is that the whole book, or is that the intro? <laughs> That's the whole movie. Oh, okay. Or okay, right. I'm short I'm, story. I left out some B plot stuff like the confused dumbass. Um, but right. Yeah. So the riff and remake here is that something otherworldly and unnatural is about to happen in which the city is going to be in some kind of suspended state. Mm. And if you've played remake already, like you and I have, this is our second playthrough. You kind of know already. Right. Well, now that I think about it, I'll mention this quick is yeah. that we're, we're kind of in like a sunset phase right now mm -hmm. and then by the time you reach the shinra building it's kind of understood that it's night due to the cloud shinra building pose the big spotlights kind of cascading back and forth across the building all that so are we in the last day of the game itself then from my perception is is the next like dawn going to be post end game probably the motorball fight is at night I don't have any reason why it wouldn't be any other day. And all of the original artwork for the game has them kind of when they're looking out past the, the motor ball fight at the end of that road, that unconstructed road, when they're looking out past that, it's like at a rising sun, I believe. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I think, yeah, we are uh, the the day that Midgar said still we're this is the day. We're, we're finishing the game in this next period here. Exciting. At least in Remake. Mm -hmm. So, again, we rappelled up that wall, 
and uh, we see destroyed buildings sticking out of the ground at like 30 degree angles, fires and plumes of billowing smoke. We take a few steps and a building collapses due to a support beam that's cleaved in two. Um, there are big views of the damaged central pillar that we can see up here as well. And not too far along later, we observe a squad of heli troopers uh, monitoring the area and a huge helicopter mech as well right and when this first area when you get up here you can kind of get a view of the whole wreckage situation you always the higher we climb we have a better view of it but this is your kind of first look at it and something i found interesting is there's this plate drop but like there's a dip and there's a rise in it it looks like the end of the plate near where uh either this I forget if it's a sector seven or sector six reactor. I want to say it's the seven reactor. It looks like the ground is, or like the plate section is still connected to the reactor. Like the pillar dropped out, but that section is still kind of hanging on. Mm. It's raised up and it's like propped up against the reactor in the air. And then like all of that's kind of falling down. So earlier we riffed on like going back into sector seven in that chapter where you're like looking through the wreckage and we were just like well one in og you were able to see that all the trash is just like completely compacted down and there's no way back in mm -hmm. right but in remake we go back into sector seven and you and i both agreed like all this shit would be completely crushed but maybe that's the explanation for why old sector seven is some version of traversable and why like wedge is able to get out or under into the under base and stuff like that is because that segment didn't completely collapse it's still kind of hanging on to the upper portion in like a 45 degree angle way mm -hmm. when you look at the top side uh also there's this segment here where people are just kind of hanging out <laughs> like in the top and in the wreckage as we like move on through the area there's a guy that stops cloud and he's uh he's like hey don't go that way it's dangerous and cloud just responds with yeah for you <laughs> and, and i'm wondering i'm like what level do you get to is it level like 30 40 whatever what level is it where you earn the like perk of buildings falling on you don't matter <laughs> anymore because cloud's just like yeah no i'm good don't worry about it <laughs> i don't know how much there is to say about this this is effectively a dungeon certainly a hostile area where we navigate these partially destroyed buildings and and um demolished platforms concrete carnage as we progressively ascend plate we do battle with a few soldier operatives cloud pretends to be one of them on their walk on a walkie-talkie he picks up and the guy on the other end uh says that avalanche is making them work overtime because of this nonsense and if you find the shitheads make them suffer this pisses off Barrett, who grabs the walkie-talkie and blows their cover. He screams into the device, We ain't running, we ain't hiding! The hubris, Nate. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a couple things going on here, too. Is like, in OG, you know, Shinra dropped the plate because... President Shinra, he's like, I I'm dropping the plate because I want to be rid of Avalanche. But in this instance, like... We've got Shinra troops sweeping the area looking for more Avalanche members, aware that their plate drop was just like political posturing in a way and w probably didn't actually eradicate them. Or it's the like blowback of Corneo's blabbing 
that previous situation we talked about is Corneo blabbing is what gave us some version of initiative to be able to get out and foiled his plan to crush us. Mm -hmm. There are Shinra troops atop this wreckage doing like a sweep of us. And there's like a slight segment where you you feel like, oh, are they going to have us do stealth mechanics? <laughs> and you do that for all of five seconds until Barrett, just Barrett's things, you know. Just Barrett uh, things. Yeah, but he, he drops a line. <laughs> he drops a line. He's like, well, now everybody and their mother knows we're here. And, and I'm like, I had this moment on stream where I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to show up somewhere, the mothers, they're the ones I want to know that I'm there. If, they're, if you've got any mothers out there in need, I'm a big fan of moms, so <laughs> go ahead, let the moms know I'm here. I've arrived because that's that seemed to be of concern to Barrett, but I don't I don't mind the moms. I'm a big fan of moms. Moms are great. I also think that line from Cloud, the like the for you, it just brought me back to I don't know. Do you know about the Dark Knight Rises meme of Bane? Oh yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. Are, are you going in the direction of the Born in Darkness? Quote. yeah well no 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 there's the um the guys like if i take that mask off will i'm gonna i'm gonna do the voices in the almost cringy way okay. in which they delivered in the original movie the inspector guy from like game of thrones and then i've seen him in literally nothing else uh he's like if i take that mask off will you die and bane goes it would be extremely painful and this is where i don't i don't understand the script writer in this instance i've I've molded over in my head for years, but the next line is he, he delivers this. You're, you're a big guy. <laughs> and then Bane responds with for you. <laughs> like, if I pull that off, will you die? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy for you. <laughs> I'm like who, who wrote this? dialogue what the hell i mean i love the dark knight i think like for a superhero movie the dark knight was like a masterpiece and we all like held our breath waiting for the next entry to come (laughs) and then that was the first scene and i just remember thinking like oh no oh what what's going on and so it's lived it's like it's infamous with me i know i know other people meme on the voice but like everything about bane and that movie is just pure meme for me to like to fly that high to the sun with dark knight and then have the follow-up be that silly is (laughs) i don't know how to say it it's 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 almost a masterpiece of failure in a way i thought it was quite good but there are there's questionable stuff i don't know i don't know how to say it it's it's good but in a very weird way that i don't understand how it happened how it came out that way so eventually that helicopter mech finds us and we have to dash between shipping containers during the breaks in its machine gun fire and that's funny to me because this thing can like move in space and it could just fly to the other side of the shipping containers but it doesn't do Mm -hmm. that we have this little Kind of like a stealth game, I guess. Because if you get hit, you get yeah. knocked backwards. It's annoying. It's annoying. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we fight blast rays, which are a souped-up version of slug rays. And then before we are getting close to the boss, inevitable boss, there's this tender conversation between our heroes as the sun sets over the carnage. They talk about building a better bar. 
Yeah, we will. And you'll help too, right? Referring to Cloud, this is Tifa speaking. And Cloud turns away and he goes, For a price. I guess we'll build another bar. Yeah. We will. You'll help too, won't you? For a price. At which point Tifa <laughs> anime huffs and Cloud looks actually pretty serious in this moment. Maybe he's got his game face on, but <laughs> it's disappointing. Disappointing for someone. Maybe they're trying to maintain just some sliver of like he's not full endgame OG Cloud in this moment. He's still got that like rugged individualism mm-hmm. to him that he, he starts both games with and evaporates much quicker in remake it's like there's lead flying all over the place you couldn't just be sweet for one goddamn second (laughs) god damn it yeah well and like you could say you could he could drop something a little bit more elegant of like uh you say you'll you'll help too cloud or whatever and he says again when i make up these moments they're stupid but like reference having her make him that drink they shared that she made for him and like she did the like uh mixing kung fu <laughs> the sequence where they had like five different camera angles mm-hmm. they showed her mixing the drink and have him just say something like like yeah only if you make that drink for me again you know it's a little more referential right mm-hmm. for a for a price doesn't really do a lot for me other than like draw me back to chapter one cloud yeah so the valkyrie the valkyrie boss a high-speed aerial weapon manufactured by shinra's advanced weaponry division its giant cannon launches grenades and status ailment bombs melee lightning and wind attacks rapidly fill its stagger gauge but long range and magic attacks have only a slight effect an effect on what doesn't say all attacks have a slight effect on its stagger gauge during limited override what is limiter override it doesn't say deal a certain amount of physical damage to slow its movements nate this is a footnote of a boss so something that's interesting to me about this and i don't remember if we get the the full valkyrie experience in remake eventually but this thing is like an escape pod for a much more advanced machine in og final fantasy do we ever get that experience with the valkyrie or is this just the only form we're ever going to see it in do you remember i don't think we see it in again in remake again there's a right i think we god what's the name of that boss I think we fight the arsenal in its place a okay. chapter or two from now with Barrett and right. Aerith. Yeah, I always thought it was a bit silly in OG. We're jumping the gun a little bit here, but I'll mention it just to prep it. You know, I always thought it was a little bit silly that when you get in, into the elevator in uh, OG, it fits like three people. Yes. Like Cloud's in the elevator and Reno and Rude walk in and the thing's basically packed. And there's, there'd be nowhere to fight. Um, but when you actually get into a real fight in there, they have a huge ass like mecha tank with the Valkyrie that we fought here in like driving it basically. And it's like, wait, how did the elevator just expand 20 times in size? Yeah. 
So I, I have to ask, what is the cannon elevator size? Is it battle elevator or world elevator? I guess we'll see in remake in a chapter or two. Or yeah, a little for of sure. Ourselves. Yeah. Um, one we're bantering. More bantering. One thing I'll say about the Valkyrie that's kind of cool is in the final phase, it looks like it's dead or disabled, but it fires a drone and then takes flight again. And this drone points a blue laser straight down onto the battlefield chasing an ally and then when it stops the laser expands to create this huge cylinder of laser pain it's easy enough to dodge but it's like it's just this this death laser chasing you around interesting thing right i got barrett he's got thunder equipped elemental material to his gun and thunder and i got thundaga now and thundaga will do a ton of damage to him as well oh yeah oh yeah this is where I'm feeling the I'm feeling the Barrett love playing Barrett against all an aerial enemies feels good. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is good. You let the other guys just kind of handle their own shit, and you you run your Barrett rotation of you know drop a couple spells, shoot your gun, blow the the big bullet when it comes up. It all feels pretty good for him, mm-hmm. and and because he has the damage reduction, and I set him up with the tanking thing, you know it. It all just there's always something to do on him where sometimes we've talked about this sometimes the way the fights kind of shake out on other characters like you're put in a position where well what what am i even supposed to do right here or i'm just sitting waiting but uh recently at least in this chapter barrett's been my guy i feel the same in the glory fmv kill shot of the valkyrie dying it explodes and it makes the whole battlefield crumble Cloud catches Tifa as he's dangling from his grappling gun, and then Tifa catches Barrett by shooting her grappling gun at him. They're holding him up. Big boy. 350 pounds? Oh, oh yeah. Well, I, oh, I'd yeah. say he's a solid 320, but now you've got a Cloud and Tifa in the mix. Hmm. I'd, I'd put Tifa at... I'm sure Japan would say otherwise, but if I'm just spitballing, Tifa is a 135... Cloud is a 160. Sure. But his sword, I mean, Cloud's sword is like, what? 50 <laughs> pounds? And it, yeah. Maybe That's even 75 point. pounds in and of itself. So, yeah. Uh, can we get some Ultimania data on this? How heavy is the I'll Buster look. Sword? Sure. Or maybe it has an enchantment that's light as hell. I checked the remake material Ultimania. Doesn't say anything. But a quick and dirty Google search is suggesting the Buster Sword weighs between 60 and 80 pounds. I had a friend who mained Trindamir in League of Legends, and to exercise his upper body, he made a giant two-handed sword, <laughs> just like a fucking Trindamir. And the thing weighed, I think, 60 pounds. Gotcha. And... So I, so I would say 60 and it was heavy too. I mean, just, just right. using your, you're lifting it off the ground with your wrists from like from one like end, one end and yeah, it's yeah. hard, not easy to do. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for a guy like me, I guess. Yeah. Looking at clouds physique, I'm, I might go with like, there's some sort of magical enchantment on that thing to make, to lighten the load. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Because none of the Buster Sword wielders have been particularly beefy. They don't have Trindomir Bod by any means. No. So this is the end of chapter 15. We begin chapter 16, the belly of the beast. 
They're establishing shots of the Shinra building and the interior of a parking garage or some such place. Cloud does his iconic power pose at the building, one hand on his sword hilt strapped to his back, though, this time. There's a conversation going on between our heroes. Tifa says, I can't help but think that this is a lost cause. Barrett goes, well, some lost causes are worth fighting for. Cloud says, let's think this through. Barrett says, let's go in guns blazing. And Cloud turns and says, why don't we bring you along again? <laughs> then cloud observes the jeep going around the building and he goes rear entrance we'll make it in via the parking garage and that's exactly what we do we don't get to split up between the rear stair or the front entrance we're going to do a third option which was not available in og parking garage smart idea it's all different but i think this is all masterfully done in comparison to my criticism of the previous genre building uh -huh. when we arrive here we're we're kind of in like scaffolding it's implied that we like crawled up through plate and maintenance areas and things mm -hmm. like that and uh we're overlooking a highway there's a whole ass highway to cross to get there the front door of the shinra building is way off in the distance so you can imagine there's some sort of courtyards and areas separating like the the regular living area and where potentially a plate would have dropped from mm -hmm. the, the the i would imagine miles away from the building based on how this is framed up in a believable way to where reeve wouldn't be like hey you just dropped the front yard out buddy um but uh all that to say the the parking garage too you know, like I envision sneaking in th via some cargo, you know, hopping in the back of a truck. And, and that's pretty much exactly what we do, except don't, they also get the, our covers blown basically immediately, like it was on the plate climb as well. But uh, we, we find a scaffolding overlooking the highway. We jump down on, I think they catch glimpse of like a Shinra. It kind of looks like a military truck in a way that's got supplies in the back they hop down on top of it and then there's some blind ass shinra guards that it drives by that don't see the if not for cloud and tifa the massive hulking man on top they don't see him and so that's how we make our way into the parking garage but um basically we're fighting shinra guards immediately as well this is not a a it's not akin to the staircase option where nobody knows you're there. We get into these fights because Barrett says something above a whisper and you think that's going to blow your cover. No, that is what blows your cover. He falls off the fucking truck screaming and lands on his ass on top of one of the soldiers. So we have to kill them all. That's why we have to kill every breathing Shinra operative, whether canine or human in the goddamn parking garage. Yeah, Barrett definitely had a wedge moment there. <laughs> the <laughs> did have a wedge moment. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, again, remember I mentioned the guard dozing off at the TV screens in OG? Mm -hmm. you're, you're initially thinking, uh, as, a, as an adult, as a modern-brained person, you're like, the second these fight ring like ring out somebody's got to be on a radio somewhere saying hey absolutely everyone get to the garage Shinra or avalanche is here right yeah and they address that they they have a guy say 
the radios are down. What the hell's going on? Or something along oh, those lines. Do. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing something along those lines. And it's kind of the first like seed of inner sabotage that it will get addressed later. But they mm. do they do kind of explain your ability to kill people with abandon and not have a, alerted the entire building for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're seeding a little bit something there and, and it's the, the exact moment that I kind of questioned, like, how am I able to do all this? They gave me the answer the same way. OG did with the guy sleeping at the TVs. So yeah, the monitors, I should say. It's a big garage. There's motorcycles, forklifts, military truck and Jeeps, classic cars, pallet jacks, and piles of totes and crates of things everywhere. Right. I, I'm I'm thinking that some sort of like inventory or dock manager needs to be fired because <laughs> like this place is turned into a dungeon through winding paths. We're all familiar with like the the collapsed staircase or the like police tape that means <laughs> video game world you're not going in that area, right? And here there's some perfectly good like passageways that a car would travel through this being a parking garage except there's just crates and pallets of junk stacked there. And if I'm a Shinra employee, I'm sitting there wondering when the fuck are they going to move all of this? I need to go home. Yeah. The the sun just set and yet the entire garage is filled with fucking garbage. How does anyone park anything there? <laughs> yes. It's a uh, maybe they've just abandoned it. Like you know how uh like hoarders have entire rooms of their houses that they've just given up on. It's like a dead room that doesn't exist. Maybe that's the Shinra parking garage. They're just like this has got out of hand. <laughs> Do not park here. If your car is already in here, we'll buy you a new one. It doesn't matter. You fight third-class soldier operators here as well. If you assess them, it tells you that their stealable item is not the hard edge. Oh, damn. I think I tried pre-assess. I was like, you're going to give me that thing. Wait, I already have hard edge. Yeah, in, in remake you do. Yes. The, the, the remake third-class soldier. We're seeing them a little bit earlier than we would in uh, OG. Indeed. This is the first time we're seeing soldiers members in both games, I believe. Yes. They don't look like Roche. Roche is the motorcycle man from earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. He has earned a level where he gets to dress how he pleases. These are the rank and file soldier members where um, they've got the, the little helmet on. Their turtleneck is... I guess the best way to explain him is like if you look at Zach's art from Crisis Core, he looks like a standard soldier member, but he just doesn't have the helmet on. He's achieved right. dr- dress however he likes status within the organization. So after murdering everything, guard dog soldiers, regular guards, someone hollers, sure hope nobody knows we're here. I think it's Tifa. I'm thinking. Yeah, the, the, the bloodbath we just committed. <laughs> sure hope nobody knows. Like, now's not the time for a stealthy comment. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> we're gonna get the fuck out of here. Whatever. Uh, anyways, um, you go up some stairs, or maybe it's an escalator, I can't remember, and you enter into the lobby. That's as far as my notes are. Nate, do you have, do you have remake lobby notes? 
I don't. That's where I stopped as well. That that was kind of our original idea of yeah. like where the narrative beat shifts of like we got to get to the Shinra building. And mm-hmm. It's like okay, well we're here now, and we're no longer being we're no longer like doing these faux stealth missions anymore that fail the instant we attempt them. Uh, in both cases, Barrett's fault if we're being honest. Mm. Um, and like the lobby inexplicably like doesn't have a single person there so like maybe like in og we bust in and there's people there and there's you know hell to raise or whatever in remake we get there and it's like you're looking at like a shop that's closed it's after hours you're in the mall after it's closed and the only person there is going to be that like chubby 62 year old guy with the flashlight walk in the halls it does feel like that yeah the the lights feel turned down or there's like 70 percent of the lights are off mm-hmm. more muted definitely but we'll get to it next time yeah we'll run into paul blart at some point here This episode has been a production of Gunblade Guys. That's us, Tyler, and Nate. Think about liking us, subscribing to us, five-starring us, writing a review about us, and telling a fellow game liker about us as well. If you love this show, someone you know will probably love this show too. So join the conversation with fellow fans of the show on Discord. Catch us on Twitch and YouTube under the name Gunblade Guys. Find a link on our Discord server in our podcast description paragraph. And if you feel like tipping us, you can do that there as well. And don't email us at gunbladeguys at gmail.com. We got called out on that recently. Yeah, well, it was me. I found the email from somebody that's like two months old. But uh, somebody did email us. I'll have to forget who it was. Blackie Mars, I think is the name. I'll have to look at that. Sorry, Blackie. That's a bad quote. Let's let's not ever say that again. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're yes. a wealthy Nigerian prince, think about sending us money too. Lots of it. If you want to fully sponsor this podcast and our gamer endeavors, we welcome the cash flow. But uh, for the rest of you salt of the earth people, you know, I I love hanging out with y'all on Discord and just chatting over the course of the day if I got the time you know um we have a great time there so looking forward to seeing you guys or if you want to check out some of our youtube videos trying to be a little bit more regular about that and um drop a comment there too if you like anything we're doing lots of games being played i'm particularly proud of the parasite eve series i did over christmas uh mm-hmm. in between it's good yeah, our last recording um i'll just i'll say it quick i uh I kind of like edit it down to be just a little bit less like uh, it's a little bit more punchy, right? You get, you get from moment to moment, but also I mixed in soundtracks from other Parasite Eve games where there was just like long bouts of silence. Like there's no music playing. So um, the, the soundtrack for the third birthday is one of the best gaming soundtracks of all time, in my opinion. Um, so I had a lot of fun putting that one together and I narrate everything. If you are cooking and you can't look at the screen the whole time, I'm not a particularly good narrator, but you will be able to tell the characters apart. I promise that the music's good. Parasite, has got great music. Oh yeah. Great music. And you can email us. We'll, we'll watch it. 
little better. Yeah, I'll check in once a week. Cheers. Peace. Okay, let's get out of here. Do, do we have a... We don't have a sign-off anymore. <laughs>
a frozen hell half the year because I like it. Mm. I like talking to people here where I absolutely just hate interacting with humans in Virginia. It's the worst. Cloud catches Tifa and Tifa's dangling. Cloud catches Tifa. Tifa. I have this, this notes written improperly. Cloud catches Tifa has, oh, 